Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. God bless you. Good morning. Good morning to everyone online as well. We're thrilled to have you here. Uh, What an incredible past four days it's been as we as a congregation, for those that chose to participate, have been seeking the presence of God through prayer and fasting. The more you give to God, the more he has to multiply. You give your time, your abilities, your talents. You give your heart's cry, your heart's desire. He will explode himself, multiply himself in you and through you. How many want more of Jesus in your life? Because wherever he goes, things seem to resolve. People seem to get healed. People get set free. Wherever Jesus shows up, whatever's not of him has to go. Why? Because he's Lord. Amen? So I want to talk about a resource that God has made available that'll transform your life. A resource that literally was necessary in the Old Testament and also predominant all through the New Testament. A resource that is the difference between going over the top versus maintaining, going from impossibility to possibility. In other words, all things possible. So I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews. I'm a teaching pastor. I teach and I preach. So we want you to be familiar with the Word of God. Can't do that if you don't have it with you. If you have a device, your phone, an iPad, open that up to the book of Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm teaching on one verse today, verse 29. The writer of Hebrews says this, our God is a consuming fire. You know, when you take and you look at fire, fire has the potential to be constructive, but it can also be destructive. We have some within our congregation that are part of fire prevention, fire protection, and our emergency services, first responders. And they know what fire can do in a negative way. But you'll also find in fire protection that one of the ways to fight a fire is with fire, especially if it's an open ground. When we see in Arizona, California, and other places around our nation, and even around the world where they're more prone to these types of fires from a lightning strike, whatever, that it begins to sweep across the land and bring down trees, bring down the brush. And so one of the ways to prevent the fire from going any further is the firefighters get out in front of the whole flames. And they do what's called a controlled burnout. And then what happens by the time that is finished and finalized When the fire finally spreads and reaches that point, which has already been burned out, there's no kindling left for the fire to continue. That's called a controlled burn. And you'll find in our lives, and I'm going to expound upon it, but the only place Satan can affect us with his destructive fire is when there's areas in our life that are receptive to his flames. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to do a divine burn 
through his fire in our lives. It can stop the spread of addictions, habits, lifestyles, destructive lifestyles that harm a family, harm us individually, harm society. When I turn on the news, sometimes I have to turn it back off. Because when I see the spread of sin catching fire from children to adults, it grieves my heart and puts me on my knees again and again and again. And the real answer to stop the spread of this wildfire, unholy fire, is to cry out for the fire of God. A lot of people don't understand what that means, and many do. But we more than ever need a divine outpouring of holy, righteous fire. There's no substitutes for God's fire. Sometimes people say, well, maybe if I do this, this, this will help me and stop this spread of sin or the susceptibility to certain things that I just can't seem to put down, put away. Maybe this will help. Well, there's no substitutes for the fire of God. That's why when we gather in a church, excellence doesn't mean entertainment. That's why entertainment will not release the fire of God. It's the hearts that are crying out that make that difference. No matter how eloquent or polished a preacher may be, that's not going to release the fire of God. And because as Americans, we're, we're really conditioned for quick fixes, we will adapt something else that can draw in more people in order to take and fill the buildings we're within. But just because you have a crowd doesn't mean the fire of God's there. But however, when the fire of God is there, people will be drawn to the fire when they're hungry enough and desperate enough. And that's why we're commanded as men and women of God, and especially myself, I'm a spokesperson of the Lord today. I'm his mouthpiece. I'm commanded to speak his word, and then the Holy Spirit honors his word and does a work in the hearts and minds of people. So when I bring this word, there are seasons when people, you'll see it all throughout Scripture, all throughout history, where places have become a dead environment. Our nation now, for the first time, is now, the majority is not Christian. It's like in the 40 percentile of Americans classify themselves as Christian. That should cause us to hear the sounding of the alarm. So what is happening to where even now some of the larger ministries, because their buildings are not filled any longer, they put up curtains, television ministries put up curtains in the back, and they have everyone in the center so that people won't recognize that the single and double and even some three-tier balconies are empty, void of people. Why? Because there is this decline that is happening in our nation. And guess what? It has entered our schools. And there is an indoctrination that is taking place to condition not only students, but even parents, contrary to what God says. And when that happens, all hell will continue to spread. There's a principle in Scripture that states, 
ever-increasing wickedness. Now, I'm not trying to be a doomsday preacher today, but we've got to understand the state of the church and the state of the world in order to find what God wants to do and all of us get with the plan. Amen? How many of you want to be a part of Gideon's 300? He started with 30,000, then down to 10,000, and then he ended with 300 against an army well over 100,000. He didn't need numbers. He needed unity. People who embrace the vision, they believe God. And that's what's going to turn the tide, change the direction, first in our lives and in our communities, our state, our nation. The Great Commission was what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Where? Jerusalem, your local city. Jerusalem, Judea, the state. Samaria, the nation, and the entire world. That is a global missions-minded church. And Jesus is the one who set that principle in place. That's why we support missionaries. That's why we go beyond River of Life. Our worldview should not be limited to just here. This is our Jerusalem, our first responsibility. Amen. But we need to know there are others who are sacrificing everything. Going in our place, and we stand behind them with prayer and financial support. I get that. I get that. That's how we enlarge the kingdom. But we need to understand what God really desires to do is to fight fire with fire. And that's why I've titled my message, Fire. Amen? Everybody say fire. fire. I didn't say you're fired. I said fire. Fire can be constructive and destructive. can preserve life or take life. And in the Bible, it has the same application. Fire protects, it cleanses, it purges, it's constructive. It's what God wants to do. So some of the things you have been praying for, maybe for years, that breakthrough, that answer to prayer, the heavens can open. So many people have given up on God's promises because they've only gone so far. And not because they only want to go so far with Jesus, but they don't know how to go further. You know, the Bible talks about, bless the Lord, O my soul, forgetting not all his benefits. There are benefits to the fire of God. But in order to access those benefits, you have to know what they are. Now, all of you, and those of you watching this broadcast, many of you, when you've gone into a new job or you're considering maybe a new uh, place of vocation and service, you see what the salary compensation is, but then you also take and you say, well, what are the benefits? Retirement? Healthcare, And usually when you ask this question, what does the HR Human Resource Department do? They give you a brochure or a packet showing all of the benefits. Now, when we get saved, some people just get saved, confess Jesus, they stop right there. And thank God for salvation. But to stop there is a travesty. Because then you will not move beyond those things that held you before you were saved. And then when you step into your salvation, which is the greatest miracle, being translated from darkness to light, death to life. But if we never begin to find out who we are, how can we grow? So what do you do? You ask God for his human resources packet, the Word of God. Everything you need to know about what God says is applicable and available to you right now is in this book. Now, here's the danger. Sometimes people get saved, and they walk in the Lord for a while. Then they get stuck, and they don't even know they're stuck. 
They lose their fervor, and then they begin to become critical, critical of God, critical of the churches they're a part of, critical of other people. And then that critical spirit, which is really demon-inspired, there is a demonic spirit behind a critical spirit. And then what takes place when they feel like, well, I've tried this, and, you know, it's okay, it sounds great. Pastor presents it in a very enthusiastic way. I used to, and by the way, I used to get upset when people would call me enthusiastic and, and having so much enthusiasm when I first started in ministry, you know, because, man, I was radically saved. So I get excited about the things of God. Until one day, I looked up that word enthusiasm, enthuse, enthusiastic, and I found what it really means. In is the word, en in the Greek is for in, and the other part of the word of enthusiasm in the Greek is theos, the word for God. So when you look at theos, you're looking at, if you're, when you're looking at enthusiasm, you're looking at entheos or to be infused with God. So if you're infused with God, how can you be content? Now I get it, the spirits are subject to the prophet. So we can't say if, if we're in the middle of a grocery store and we just start prophesying in the middle of a grocery store, the Bible also says don't cast your pearls before swine. Somebody say amen. Right? So, you know, there are directives, and that's in the human resource manual for our Christian walk of faith. Amen? So, you know, but God wants us to know that even when you become fired up, enthusiastic, that's only because you've been infused with God. And if His infusement, His empowerment is within, you'll go crazy if you can't let it out. You'll, you have, it's a shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You know, when he's within us, he's within us so he can overflow out of us. I always say we're filled to be spilled. So again, we see all of these aspects about the fire and the presence of God. So the first thing I want to draw to your attention regarding the benefits. One of the benefits of God's fire is God's fire purifies. God's fire purifies. Gets rid of the the stuff, the junk, you know, changes us from the inside out. Think of it in the natural. Fire does what? It can cauterize a wound to stop the bleeding. It can also sterilize a surgeon's scalpel so that it doesn't create infection as the surgical procedure is being performed. Even in, in the whole jewelry industry, when a jeweler or jewelry makers when they take and they begin to design their jewelries, and if they're using precious metals such as gold and silver, what is the first thing that takes place with the precious metals? They're purified. It's called burning off the dross, the impurities. And the higher the impurity in the gold or the silver, you know, the higher the value. In other words, when the impurities are burned out, then you have more of the gold, 10 carat, 12 carat, the higher the intensity of the fire, 14 carat, and then there's 18 carat gold. They say to go much beyond that makes the gold too soft and it doesn't really perform well as a piece of jewelry for a man or for a woman. And so the fire of God does the same thing. The more we embrace the fire rather than running from the fire of God, fighting fire with fire, Satan's strongholds in our lives and in the lives of others and in a region, a territory, the more we take and allow the fire of God which is there to help us, not hurt us. It's constructive, not destructive in our lives. The more we do that, the more God burns off the hay, the wood, and the stubble, the dross, the impurities, 
and we become more and more valuable because when God looks at us, because we've allowed his fire to work in and through us, he sees more of Jesus. Don't you all want to have Jesus more visible in your life? I know I do. Sometimes people, again, I say, they, they give up because they feel like, I just can't do this. Well, you can't. But if you go to the human resource manual, you'll begin to seek him in his word. Seek him in prayer. Begin to love him, desire him with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Then when you seek him that way, that's with all of your heart. You'll find him. You won't be unable to find him when you do that because the Lord is attracted to that kind of a quest and desire and passion. When we take and we look in Daniel chapter 3, verses 24-25, remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We've all heard that from children up. And they were three of the Hebrews that were taken into exile in Babylon from Israel, along with their good friend Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den, many people remember that. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a decree had gone out, and people say sometimes, why don't we see Daniel mentioned in this portion of history? Well, it's because Daniel, for whatever reason, may have been out of the area, the region, on king's business. But these three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were there. And so Nebuchadnezzar, you'll read as you look at his life in Scripture, he was quite full of himself. And when you're full of yourself, you're only fooling yourself. Amen? That just came to me. I thought I'd share it with you. And so he came to that place where he thought he was a god. And don't we see that? Like Even in our modern day and age, history is filled with it. You know, we see it in the Roman Empire, the Grecian Empire, where they begin to take on, they become gods in their own eyes. And demand it from people around them to acclaim that to their lives. But here you have Nebuchadnezzar, same thing. He, he just thought he was God. He was the most powerful man in the world at that time. He had conquered regions. It, it, it was just, they were unstoppable, the Babylonian Empire. And then finally he decides, well, I should be worshipped. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. So he erects a golden image, solid gold. Erects this image... And they says, every time you hear the music begin to play, people everywhere shall bow down and worship my image of gold. Now, can you imagine that? For that country, for that area, that region, at least those that were in contact where they could hear, see, and, and this decree could make connection with them, that meant hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even over a million. And the music would strike, and they worshipped him in lieu of God. That meant it was the same thing for all of the exiles from Israel who were a part of that empire, unwillingly and taken into slavery. But when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego heard that decree, they said, sorry, we can't do that. Now, they were valuable men. Remember, we're, we're coming off this fast now. Today, at sunset, it'll end. And, and, and you'll find in Scripture that Daniel, he did a 21-day fast, Daniel fast, and also a 10-day Daniel fast. And so they had participated in that as well. So they got it. They understood. And now, here you have Nebuchadnezzar saying, unless you bow down, you'll be thrown into a furnace, fired beyond comprehension, which will instantly take your lives. Well, the music struck. They didn't, they didn't bow. They're summoned to stand before Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, Sorry, king. 
You've done a lot of great things. You're a very powerful man. But our God says we shall worship Him and Him only. So we can't bow to the image. If that infuriates you, if it cost us our life, so be it. So Nebuchadnezzar gave him one more chance. Isn't that like the devil who tried to intimidate us into disobedience and compromise? And the music hit again. There they were. All hail King Jehovah. Right? There was no Jesus yet in the natural. They were brought, stood before the king. He said, heat the fire seven times hotter. Then they take the three Hebrews, the guards did, they opened the door to the furnace. When they did, the guards threw in the three Hebrews. But then the scripture says the fire killed all of the guards that threw them into the fire instantly. How many of you want to be one of those king's guards? Not me. Then we have this scripture here where Nebuchadnezzar is talking to his advisors and his, his, his military leaders. Daniel 3, 24, 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar... He was astonished. Now, you know a powerful man to get astonished, you know it's significant. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound? They were tied with ropes. Bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Then with a sense of urgency, Nebuchadnezzar says, Look, he answered. I see four men, loose, not bound, loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth, even this heathen, non-God-fearing man, when God showed up, he could recognize God. And he says, I see in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, why didn't the fire destroy them? Because I am sure all that they had walked, there was a divine fire burn from heaven that removed anything in their life spiritually that would make them susceptible to being harmed by the fire of the wicked one, Satan. And there they are, worshiping, having church in the fire. How many of us, when we're in the fire, we complain? We get upset. We have a pity party, a party in a pit, all by ourselves, and we complain. Where David, didn't he say in Psalm 23, which is also referenced as a soldier's prayer, he said, the Lord prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That means when we're in the midst of the fire, a difficult time. God will feed us, strengthen us, empower us, equip us, and make us like him unstoppable if we will allow him to have his way in our lives. A holy burn, I call it. Allowing the fire of God to take out the dross. Those things that really aren't necessary in our lives. Satan knows the power of a holy burn and what the word of God and being at the Lord's table in the presence of our enemies as well as with our brothers and sisters when it says in Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling together of the saints. We need to be in church as Christians. You can argue all you want. Satan knows that. Why else would you think he would attack 
your schedules, your timelines. Then when you have children, all of the demands that come with children, having them active in a community and in their schools and sports are great. I love sports. But how often does the devil then use a good thing to create a bad thing? What do I mean? If we're not in the presence of God, and then if this becomes happenstance or whenever we can make it, then the devil won't bug, you know, budge back and, and, and stay away from you. Well, they haven't been to church. I'm going to leave them alone this week. They haven't had time to read the Bible alone and, and have prayer, Holy Spirit-filled prayer. So I'm going to leave them alone. He looks for when you miss your seat at the table. And that's when he hammers all the more. Sometimes people say, the more I seek Jesus, the more I feel like I'm under fire and I'm under attack. But the reason Satan is doing that is because he wants you to relax your stance, your position, and then you'll have a suddenly moment, not with God, but with the enemy. And because we lack the food that comes from his table, we get beat up. We can't make it. It's imperative to be at the Lord's table. God's fire fulfills a divine purpose in our lives. Sometimes people say, oh, I, I don't know if I can embrace that. It's true. It's all through the Word of God. God's fire, the fire of God, you know what it does? It brings us to repentance. When God shows up and we see who He is, very quickly we recognize who we aren't. And when we see what we're not, no one wants to remain in that condition. And Jesus makes what we thought would never be obtainable. He makes it possible. His fire will bring us to repentance when we see His holiness. His fire brings us forgiveness. Once you realize your unworthiness in and of yourself, that's when we say, Lord, forgive me. I, I can't do this. No man can do this for me. Lord, I ask for your forgiveness in Jesus' name. And then we not only come to repentance and forgiveness, then that's when the transformation takes place. Isn't it great when all of a sudden you look back, 2020 hindsight, and you see, you're not doing some of the things you used to do anymore. Why? Because the fire of God that brought you to repentance and that granted you that forgiveness, now he's transforming you into his image. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. You're finding your very desires. A lot of people remain trapped and ensnared with addiction because they're not going to, again, the Christian HR pamphlet. They're not finding out who they are, and they believe a lie over the truth. Isn't that what God said through the prophet Hosea? My people perish, 4-6, because of a lack of knowledge. If you don't know, you can't appropriate. A lot of times people say, well, I thought that all happens at salvation. The breaking of the chains happened at salvation. But then appropriating that promise. Didn't Paul say in Philippians, work out your own salvation? You've got to begin to see, as you seek the presence of God, how you can work beyond those things that once held you because that's not me anymore. But if we're not working out, there's no strength. That's even true in the natural. Whether you're going to a gym or, or you're exercising, running, jogging, whatever the sport may be at home, as you are consistent, you build your strength. But if we're not consistent, then all of a sudden we find ourselves falling prey. And then what happens? We blame God. God, where were you? Why did you allow this to happen? Why did you do this to me? Or we blame ourselves, I'm just so wretched, I'm an awful person. Then the devil just has a heyday bringing condemnation, just telling you every lie 
of unworthiness than you can imagine and that you're a hypocrite. Why do you even go to church? People probably know all your secrets anyhow. And if they don't, my goodness, you know, you're still unworthy to be there. Why would you even pick up the, pick up the Bible? You know, on and on, all these lies. And then people just give up altogether. And then they just get hammered and flattened when God says, hey, work it out. Build your strength. Come on. I've given you everything you need. I've given you the resources. And that's where the fire comes in. The fire responds to the Word of God. The fire responds to prayer. The fire responds to our obedience when we're gathered together at the altar, at the feet of Jesus, learning from Him. There's nothing like the fire and the presence of God. And then finally, after the transformation, God's fire brings restoration. You look back and Again, man, that's not me anymore. I'm a new creation. If anyone be in Christ, he or she is. Remember I spoke, uh, I think it was last week, God's promise, and how the promises of God, over 7,000 in the Bible, they're all in the present tense. And when it says, if any man be in Christ, he or she, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But now, it's time to load our weapons, the weapons of our warfare that Paul says that are not carnal. They're not flesh and blood. It's not like you've got a Colt 45 strapped to your side, right? All of a sudden Satan comes down the street, <clears throat> you give him a Holy Ghost bullet. That's not how it works. You, you don't fight the spiritual with the natural. You fight the supernatural with the supernatural. Only there's nothing that matches up against the supernatural overcoming power of Almighty God. And again, that's its fire that's released on our behalfs. You know, sometimes people, when they become discouraged, and, and again, they're not really tapping fully into what God has made available. I draw the analogy, it's like having a piece of pie on one plate and the whole pie on another plate. Now, if we want to stay healthy, we go with one piece. But if we want to stay healthy with God, we take the whole pie, right? Don't be content to live just a portion of the pie, a portion of the Holy Spirit. When God has made available the whole portion, His fullness. God doesn't hold back His fullness for just a select few. It's for you. Look at the person next to you and say, that's for you. Say, that's for you. God wants you to have the whole pie. He is so faithful. So don't settle for a half, a half full, you know, half full when God says He wants you filled to overflowing. That's the will of the Lord in Christ Jesus. The fullness of God's will will never be realized without the fullness of His fire. And guess what? That fire is for all. I'm so grateful for that. Isn't this why Jesus came? Jesus came to bring fire. We see that in Luke 12, verse 49. Look at it with me. He says in this verse, I came to send fire on the earth. The Bible talks about haywood and stubble in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and how the fire of God will burn up the impurities. Again, the dross like with the precious metals. And at the very end when everything we have done that matters to God, that has been really His will for our lives that impacts others, when all that we've done is tried by fire, it says in Scripture, that which was from the Lord will be sustained, it will remain. But those things that were just us humanity, flesh. We can't save ourselves. We can't deliver ourselves. That's why we need a Savior. 
the hay, the wood, the stubble, the straw will be burned out by fire. And if we allow that to happen right now, during our lifetimes, trust me, you will have a very, 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 extremely very happy life. Do you know what it means to be blessed in Scripture? It's also defined as happy. The Beatitudes, blessed is the man. Right? Blessed, blessed, blessed. And when you see that, it also can be translated, happy is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Happy. Happy is based upon what happens. How many want some good things happening in your life? Then prepare for it. Do what you need to do now. That's what it means to be a disciple. We discipline our lives to these principles. I played sports all through school. Football was my emphasis. I was very good by the grace of God. He had given me talents and abilities. But there was a playbook even for that. And for the athletes who are even more exceptional who go on to college and, and the NFL, still, no matter how gifted they are, there's a playbook so that they can take the opponents by surprise and then, at the end of it all, win the game. And for us, when we understand the playbook, we will foil the devil every time because nothing matches up or stands up against the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. God's fire, yes, it purifies, but it also protects. Look at Moses. When he took and went and approached Pharaoh, 80 years old, said, let my people go. When he finally, after 10 plagues, led the people out of that slavery into the wilderness, headed towards the Red Sea. Pharaoh then had a change of heart. Sinners usually do, don't they? And especially when they're dictators like that. And he then gathered all of his chariots and horsemen, began to pursue the Israelites and Moses so he could put them to death. Moses still being faithful. What happened when the chariots and the horsemen were right behind them? God sent a wall of fire. A wall of fire. Fire protects. What about when God called Moses into ministry prior to that? 80 years old. That was just prior to his journey to, to Egypt. And Moses was out doing what he did every, every day for 40 years after leaving Egypt at the age of 40. Now here he is, 80, 80 years of age, 40 years after that, getting ready to step into a new generation of life and influence and leadership, not knowing that. Then all of a sudden there's a burning bush on fire, but it's not being consumed. And that's where Moses received his call in the presence of God where the fire of God was demonstrated and manifested. Hallelujah. God's fire protects us. It leads us. But do you know God's fire also empowers us? God's fire empowers. Jesus wants his fire to move on us, in us, and through us. Did you see that? He wants his fire, put it up again. Put that slide up again. He wants his fire to move on us, in us, and through us. Amen? Thank the Lord that's his desire. Because no one could coerce the Lord to take 
and to do something that went against his word, his will. So understanding that God is for us, everybody say, God is for us. Understanding that, then we can understand why Elijah was able to do what he did on Mount Carmel. He challenged the prophets of Baal. He challenged the prophets of Asherah because they had erected idols in lieu of God. Idolatry, sin. And the sad thing was, the leaders of the nation of Israel, Ahab and Jezebel, they were spearheading the entire demonic lie of idolatry. They were proponents. And when Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal, he was challenging the ungodly leadership who were taking the nation straight to hell. And he put out a challenge. He says, let's have two altars, two sacrifices, one for your gods, one for Lord God Almighty Jehovah. And the God who answers by fire, let him be God. Well, the prophets of Baal and Asherah, there they are. They started their prayer meeting. Oh, there's nothing worse than a religious prayer meeting. And they were cutting themselves with stones. They were shouting. They were crying out. They were doing everything they knew to do. Elijah began to taunt them a little bit. He said, maybe you should shout a little louder. Maybe, louder. maybe they are asleep and they can't hear you. Finally, they gave up, and then it was Elijah's turn. And it says he repaired the altar of God that was in ruins. That is a significant key statement. Because I believe even in America, but America wouldn't be the way she is in other nations if the people who are in the nation were where they need to be. See, it's, it's, it's not soil that goes to heaven. It's not a country or, or a boundary line that takes people to heaven. People are flesh and blood, and it's only... By the Spirit of God, we can spend eternity with Him by accepting Christ. And so he repaired the altar because he knew the people weren't worshiping anymore. They had departed from God. They weren't at synagogue. They weren't at temple. They had embraced this lie. They had become just like the world. Rather than the world catching their cues from the followers of Jehovah, the Israelites, the Israelites, starting at the very top, Ahab and Jezebel, the king and queen, would be like our president and vice president in this nation, prime ministers and other nations. They had wanted to be like the world because they could benefit for a brief period of time. But Elijah rebuilt the altar, cut up a bull as a sacrifice, placed it on the altar, then doused it, drenched it is a better word, with gallons upon gallons upon gallons of water to where there would be no way that would be able to be lit on fire. It would have to be an act of God. He didn't want anyone to think it was a cheap uh, magician's trick. And so finally, he cried out to God, the fire hit me. Consume the sacrifice. Consume the water. Consume the wood. And even ate up the stones. I've lived going on 68 years. I'll be 68 in August. I've never seen fire hit a rock or a stone and then just leave dust in its place. Any of you ever see that? That shows you. How powerful the fire of Almighty God is. There is none like him. None like him. Look at John the Baptist. He spoke about, you know, God's you know, plan that would take us into eternity as his image and then becoming Christians, believers, followers of Christ. He, he, he said in Matthew 3, 11, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he who is coming, speaking of Messiah, he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. 
He will baptize you. Now, he speaks of two baptisms here. He will baptize you first, what? With the Holy Spirit and its connection. And in addition to the Holy Spirit, he will baptize you with, everybody say it, fire. That is what was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. When they were gathered there, waiting until the Comforter would be sent to the church, the power of the Holy Spirit, so that that would enable Christians now, because of the new covenant, to not only be indwelled, have God living in them. Jesus said, he's with you, but soon he will be in you. Throughout the entire Old Testament, none of the believers, the saints, or the prophets had the Holy Spirit living in them. When Jesus came to earth, when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him and then went into him, empowering him to do what he did for those three and one half years. And now that same potential, that same anointing, that same indwelling presence would be made available when the Holy Spirit was sent on the day of Pentecost. That we would do not only what he did, but Jesus said it, greater things, greater things. Now, I think sometimes they just look at greater things. People look at greater things as impossible. But that's because we've lost sight. We've gotten away from the HR manual for our walk of faith. It's time to reevaluate. It's time to go back. Believers everywhere, and I know we're speaking to thousands of people on our live stream. We need to go back and reevaluate if our life matches up with what God desires to do. If it doesn't, that's not condemnation, but that's actually hope. Because where you are, and I know if we're not where we need to be and continuing to go to where we're called to be, there's so much dissatisfaction at that point in place. And God is ready to call us all to a deeper walk, a higher level. But we have to be willing to cry out for His fire. The fire of God. You know what it does? It authenticates the Word of God. And then wherever we go, we go with confidence. Because we know he's there to authenticate his word whenever we're called to speak it on our behalf and on behalf of the individual or individuals that we're speaking into. Every Christian needs the fire of God. We hear how people sometimes say the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. Well, no wonder the church is in such a mess. People still get sick. Amen. People still have struggles and issues. We still have to make decisions where we need discerning of spirits. We need to know who's behind the spirit of God, spirit of Satan, or is it just me, my human spirit? Am I wishing something so strong that I'm being blinded by my own desires? We need the fire of God. And honestly, what I want to do, I want to open up these altars so all of us, not a few, all of us, take the step. All of us, just as Elijah made an altar and the fire fell. This is an altar, especially on this last day of our solemn assembly of prayer and fasting. This is for us to come to this altar and just say, Lord, send your fire. Send your fire on me. Lord, be an all-consuming fire on me. Do you really want that? I believe you do or you wouldn't be in this building today. I believe all of you watching this broadcast do or you wouldn't be still tuned in on YouTube and Facebook and other providers. People are hungry, but they've lost hope. I'm here to tell you, the word of Almighty God backs up this message, backs up this promise. And now it's time 
that going. Lord, send your fire. Amen. Our God is an all-consuming, there it is, fire. Amen. Fire. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. Holy Spirit, your word has been released. Thank you that you will honor that word now in our hearts and our lives. And we do ask that you would just begin to create such a hungering and a thirsting that, Lord, people will move beyond a spirit of religion and they'll embrace this relationship that you've made possible with Jesus. Lord, move on our people. Move on our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.